All right, we've made it through the top 10, and that means the next pick off the board belongs to the Tennessee Titans. Big one here. Let's talk about this pick, and you have them going with... Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Hope everybody is having a great day. I don't know what day it is because, just to let you in a little bit behind the scenes here, we just recorded an episode of uh, James Foster Friday with our buddy James Foster, who we love to have on to talk about all things scouting and evaluation and the NFL draft. And we just went through his mock draft 1.0, every pick for the entire first round, all 31 of them. Yeah, the the Dolphins don't get one. They had to forfeit it. But it was fantastic. And what was supposed to be our regular James Foster Friday segment of 20 to 30 minutes on our Friday episode turned into an hour of us going through the 31 top prospects in the draft. And we decided we're going to make it a standalone episode. So that's what you're listening to now. Welcome to the James Foster Mock Draft 1.0 uh, episode standalone. We're not talking to any Titans outside of the Titans 11th overall pick in this episode. We're going to talk about all things mock draft. So come on in, enjoy James educating myself and yourself on all things uh, first round draft pick this year. Learn about some guys you may not have heard about just quite yet. Very great time talking to him. Without further ado, let's get into our conversation with James Foster. All right, let's welcome in James Foster on a James Foster Friday. James, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. We're here to talk about the draft once again. We appreciate you joining us as always. And today we're going to be going through your mock draft 1.0. You have picked a a, a selection for each team at the position in the draft that they currently are slated to pick at. Now, we don't know for sure the very top of the draft uh, right now. It's all a guess because the playoffs have to play out to know exactly where everybody picks. But we have an idea for the first 20-some-odd picks now, and um, we're going to – I believe you stuck with uh, no trades in this one, correct? So this is shock um, top to bottom. All right, so we'll just go through top to bottom uh, your your picks for the draft, and these were your first five picks. So let's start – with the first overall pick, if the Bears do stick at one and don't trade with the team who needs a quarterback, you have them going with maybe the top overall non-quarterback in this draft, Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Big fella, 6'3", 300 pounds, the junior defensive lineman. Uh, he's going to be talked a lot about over the coming days and weeks, but tell me a little bit about Jalen Carter and why you love his game so much. Yeah, Jalen Carter's, I think, pretty clearly the best overall prospect in this class um quarterbacks are gonna i'm probably gonna have some quarterbacks ahead of him on my big board just because uh i factor in positional value right but you know just in terms of overall skill set you look at his length how quick and talented he is with his hands um you know explosive first step off the snap and really good bend to finish sacks and flatten his angle to the quarterback. So I think that he's definitely the best defensive lineman prospect since Quinn and Williams. Wow. Um, probably, you know, a toss up between those two, really the only weakness that um, I really see for Jalen Carter is he is a little bit high cut just in terms of his build and you'll see him kind of get slowed down um as a pass rusher when offensive linemen are able to get underneath his leverage and, you know, if they can get inside hands and, and kind of, you know, stand him upright a little bit, it really does neutralize his pass rush. So that's where I see him not being as effective, but, you know, I think that the, the bears are one of those teams that just, you know, they need a hit in the draft. Um, And I I think Jalen Carter is a pretty safe pick. Now, I know that you picked this, you did this mock draft without trades. Do you think that they, the Bears may consider sticking and picking with this number one overall pick, or do you expect, like many do, that they'll probably trade out? I would expect them to trade out. Um, I just don't know that, that they're in a position really to try and take another swing at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I absolutely, I mean, the arguments that people have been, you know, putting forward about how um, statistically Justin Fields was one of the worst passers in the NFL last year still. And the, the rushing production kind of balanced that out a little bit and made him a, a league average ish quarterback. But you know, I think towards the middle of the season, people did kind of jump the gun in terms of declaring Justin Fields as a hit. My thing is, you know, I just, I don't feel great about putting Bryce Young behind this offensive line. Like, I don't know if Bryce Young makes it out of this season um, on the active roster. (laughs) Right. Uh, Like the reality with a team like the Bears and a lot of teams like them is that you need a quarterback with the size to withstand a lot of hits and sacks. Well, let's talk about that because at number two, you have the Texans going with Bryce young and among his very positive traits overall, the the one thing you can look at him. And I, I really do mean, look at him and see is this guy's pretty slender for an NFL quarterback. You know, you're going to need to protect him and you're not sure just how much of a beating he might be able to take over the course of a season and stay upright. Yeah, it's, you know, ever since I started getting into this class, um, you know, it, it Bryce Young is still my quarterback one, but it really wouldn't surprise me um, once, you know, all the trades and the order shakes out. It wouldn't surprise me if someone like Will Levis ended up being QB1 just because of the size and because... This is why um, I, I put money down on this as early as I could. I, I you think know, I, like, a real I have possibility. A, a, GM view GM's draft and view talent in the draft way differently than um, most casual fans. Like, yep. When when we when you look at like the quarterback discourse so far, it's basically just like who is the best college quarterback. It's like mm-hmm. Will Levis threw a bunch of interceptions. Bad quarterback. He's gonna be bad. Bryce Young was good in college. He's a good player, so he's gonna be good. Um, you know. The GM's Project- draft for traits much Project- more than the NFL is way college. more about traits. Yep. And, you know, Bryce Young just doesn't have uh, those physical traits that really would make me want to trade up for him or that would make me feel 100% confident about him being QB1. Um, with that being said, outside of that, he is the cleanest quarterback prospect in this class. Um, and, you know, really, I, I don't have worries as much about the size and in terms of seeing over the field because he's been pretty effective throwing over the middle with a, you know, NFL-sized offensive line in college. It's really just about sustaining the hits. And, uh, you know, is this going to be a, a really good quarterback that plays nine games a season? Well, at number three, you have the Cardinals going with the guy that a year ago I think many would have expected – would have been the top guy off of the board. Certainly would have been the the top pass rusher off the board. Jalen Carter ended up leapfrogging him this season, but Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, another big guy, another great player. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Will Anderson Jr. is kind of in the Aiden Hutchinson tier of edge rusher where he doesn't necessarily have like Miles Garrett, Chase Young type of athletic traits, but He's just kind of like a B plus A minus in every single uh, you know aspect of his game. I think he had 200 total pressures in his college career. Um, you know, you watch him; he's able to win with a, a diverse set of pass rushing moves. He's a, a constant impact in run defense, and so similar to to um, Aiden Hutchinson, I don't know that I ever see Will Anderson Jr. becoming a top five edge rusher, but I think. Uh, you know, probably like the highest floor pick in this uh, in this top 10. Well, James, that's the impression that I've gotten over the past couple of weeks that maybe out of the top four or five guys that go in this draft, Will Anderson, he may not be the best at the end of the day, um, you know, when everybody's careers are wrapped up, but he seems to be the the most maybe fit proof or scheme proof hit. He feels like the safest choice here at the top. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I would put Jalen Carter in that tier, and I okay. think it's a little bit harder to def- to find elite defensive linemen than it is edge rushers, and so that's Fair. one thing that has Jalen Carter ahead. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Will Will Anderson is is like hitting a double or a triple. I don't watch baseball, but you know something solid. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the AFC South, we've got the second quarterback off the board. It's the Colts. You have them going with C.J. Stroud. Now, what I find most fascinating about this is that you have them picking Stroud over Levis. Just to kind of skip forward, we can we can link these picks together a little bit. At five, you have the Seahawks going with Levis. So talk to me about how you have been through your process distinguishing which of these guys you prefer. It, it seems like you know, maybe it's a fit choice, and maybe that's why you have the Colts going with Stroud. Is this a reflection of how you have them ranked so far? So I think I have Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis all in a very similar range as okay. being like the second to third overall pick value type of player. And then Anthony Richardson, um, spoilers, you know, he's more of like a, a bottom of the top 10 kind of pick to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, I think are all close enough to where it's like within the margin of error where you could prefer one guy over the other, depending on your scheme. Um, I like the way that Will Levis fits in uh, the Seahawks offense, very similar scheme to what he ran in uh, 2021 so that's you know just kind of how I fit the players there and then I think you know it's it's really hard I um I tweeted out like I've never had I've never watched an individual game from a player that affected my opinion on them more than CJ Stroud's uh playoff performance against and James I saw that take from like 17 different evaluators Um, yeah Yeah. no it it went uh went kind of crazy but yeah, yeah uh you know, it's, it's really, it's a difficult thing to balance because you don't want to overreact to one game, but, um, you know, he really did. It's like, once you, once you can see something on film, like actually happen and you're not having to, um, you know, imagine in your head, like, okay, maybe he, maybe he could, you know, he shows these flashes here. Maybe he could develop into a a quarterback that's good under pressure because he, uh, he was the worst quarterback, um, in college football under pressure last season it's I, it wasn't like wow. first it wasn't first to last but it was like first to second last in terms of cj stroud's clean pocket pff grade and his under pressure pff grade it was like 92 versus 30 or something crazy like that um so people saying oh this cj stroud's always been there on tape no it hasn't um this was like this was a completely different type of performance than we've ever seen and so when you have a close quarterback class like this those are the sort of things that can kind of uh, bump one guy over the other well you mentioned Richardson you have him going at number six which uh, he seems to just be climbing higher and higher up these boards he's the most intriguing quarterback to me in this draft class simply because you talk about GMs looking for traits in these guys and the traits with Richardson are really, really fascinating. I mean, he's a big, big guy, 6'4", 232, sophomore quarterback out of Florida. He's been compared, uh, you know, not erroneously, but, you know, we do this irresponsible thing every draft season. He's got a very similar build and play style, it seems, to like a Josh Allen type, at least in the running game, and he's got a big arm. So tell me about Anthony Richardson. What do you see in terms of potential in him? Yeah, he's like a combination of Josh Allen and Malik Willis, maybe. He's he's sort of like, he's like Malik Willis, except every strength is more of a strength and every weakness is less of a weakness. Okay. Like, you know, we talked about Malik Willis having, um, you know, great athleticism and great arm talent. Well, Anthony Richardson has maybe the biggest cannon that I've ever seen for a college quarterback. And you know, you could probably go back to some, like, I guess you'd have to go back to Lamar Jackson probably for like the best scrambling quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just, not just scrambling, uh, designed runs. And he's also able to throw on the run and keep his eyes downfield. Um, but I think that people are underrating Anthony Richardson just in terms of how pro ready he is. Um, you know, he's really accurate throwing down the football field. He, actually you know does a, a pretty decent job of, of processing defenses florida's offense is not it, it kind of falls into that range of like not great for evaluating um nfl quarterbacks in my opinion but 
yeah, I think people are kind of overselling or overestimating how much work Anthony Richardson needs to do um, before, you know, he can be a competent NFL quarterback. And he, you know, he's speaking of performance under pressure. He's one of the best quarterbacks, probably the best quarterback outside of Bryce Young um, at, at operating from a, a I think we may have lost you there for a moment, James. You still got us? Yeah, sorry. I got a different call. Um, what's the last thing you heard? We heard uh, you're talking about clean pockets um, or unclean pockets. Yeah, so kind of you know, going back to the pressure versus clean pocket thing, uh, Anthony Richardson was one of the best quarterbacks in college football under pressure last year. Um, he, very similar to Will Levis and the way that he can – execute throws from awkward platforms um you know different arm angles and stuff like that at number seven you have the raiders going with miles murphy the edge defender out of clemson junior six five two seventy five what do you like about miles yeah miles murphy uh and my eighth overall pick brian Bercy are actually uh pretty similar in that it's still a lot more traits than production at this point um, Miles Murphy is in that Trayvon Walker tier of prospect where he just kind of has the dream build for an edge rusher, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, really not a lot in terms of pass rushing technique and move set. So he's going to have some development to do. I really like, uh, putting Miles Murphy on a team that already has a bona fide number one edge rusher, um, really you know similar to the Trayvon Walker situation where he's he's not being asked to come in and immediately be the the main focal point of a team's pass rush and you went ahead and you mentioned the eighth pick you have the Falcons going with Brian Brissy teammate of Miles Murphy the defensive lineman same height he's six five as well but he's coming in at 300 pounds tell me about Brian yeah he you know, my biggest issue with Brian Bercy, I'm probably a little bit lower um, on him than consensus is, you know, my, my biggest issue is just consistency with pad level and um, play strength, really. Uh, this, this like seven to 10 range is pr- like a huge dead zone for this draft. It's, it's mm. the area that I just really wouldn't want to pick because seven through 10, all four of these players, I'm, not really a huge fan of, but it's just kind of like they are the best players, so you got to pull the trigger. Right. Well, at number nine, uh, sorry, were you were you finished with Brian? Yes. Okay, number nine, we've got the Panthers taking the first wide receiver off the board, Quentin Johnson. No surprise there out of TCU. Um, we talked a little bit in a past episode about this wide receiver class and how, as compared to even last year's class, it's relatively weak. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll eventually see by the end of this exercise how many wide receivers you think are going in the first round. But what is it about Johnston, or Johnston by the way, I said his name wrong. What is it about Johnston that sticks out to you as a guy that could be a, a, a top receiver in the NFL? Yeah, he's six foot four, probably going to run sub four, four, um, has a has a pretty nice release package off the line of scrimmage. And he's Big really, really good after the catch. He has a ton of big plays from this past season where, you know, he catches like a a 10 yard curl route or something. And then he just has this really explosive spin move to the outside um, to, to make the defenders miss. Mm -hmm. Do you have an NFL comp to him yet? Um, I know this is your favorite. It's going to be, no, I don't. I, (laughs) that's, that's usually the last thing I come up with. I go to uh, just, behind the curtains i go to mock draftable mm-hmm. um try to line up like those a, webs baby combine data and then i'm i basically just like go through it's and and find guys with like similar builds and then um you know i come up with like 10 players that are similar athletes and then i go through their skill sets so uh yeah I'll, I'll figure that out i quentin johnston to me i'm not a huge fan of just because he does not really he's not really a, a talented catcher of football um eight for eight for 23 on contested catch situations this past year um along with let's see what 
along with eight drops. So, yeah, it, you know, he was kind of inconsistent just in terms of how he was being used in TC's offense. But I think this is a really boom bust uh, pick with Quentin Johnston. At number 10, you have the Eagles picking up Tyree Wilson, edge player out of Texas Tech. This guy's a big fella, six foot six, 275 pounds. I see here that he's got versatility inside and outside, put up 50 pressures last season. What do you like about Wilson? And it's, by the way, unfair entirely that that the Eagles at 10 would be able to uh, add yet another weapon to their defensive line, but they're going to be able to. Yeah, I know. It's, it's insane. Um, Tyree Wilson's probably going to have the longest arms of any player in the NFL. I'd imagine. Um, I think I saw that he has a longer, a, a bigger wingspan than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Holy so, cow. Yeah, it's, you're looking at like the the dream build for an edge rusher. I even think a three technique, I think moving him inside and having him add some weight is where he's going to be his best. Okay. Um, because the biggest issue with Tyree Wilson is he's just really stiff and open space. There's a lot of you know, anytime that he's like defending a read option or a cutback run, there's just a, a lot of missed tackles and, and poor angles. And he just doesn't really have that agility to, to turn the corner that you want from a traditional edge rusher. And so, you know, there, I think in terms of the team fit, I like Tyree Wilson going to a team where similar to Miles Murphy, where he's not asked to be immediately productive and they already have talent along that defensive front and you know they can kind of ease them into the lineup all right we've made it through the top 10 and that means the next pick off the board belongs to the tennessee titans big one here let's talk about this pick and you have them going with paris johnson jr this seems to be the guy that you have kind of zeroed in on for the titans from the get-go here he's the only guy i've heard you really talk about as as who they might should target at 11 he'd be uh, some fantastic help of course as a, as a tackle, replacing Taylor Lewan, you'd imagine, six foot six, 310. He's done a ton of, uh, well, blocking in general, but he, he had 449 pass blocking snaps last season, only gave up 14 pressures. That's, a, that's music to the ears of any Titans fan who wants to see the Titans get a little bit better in pass protection. Tell me about Johnson Jr. and what you think the fit might be here if he comes to Nashville. I think, yeah, I think Paris Johnson Jr. is a scheme-proof offensive tackle. Um, I just did a video on him, so definitely check that out on my uh, YouTube channel, A to Z Film Room. Um, but, you know, he's one of – he's probably the best zone-blocking tackle in this class, but also the best gap scheme tackle. Um, he just creates so much displacement on down blocks and double teams, but then – when he's out on the move, he just like punishes linebackers and defensive backs at the second level. Um, in terms of pass protection, his his biggest issue, like the number one issue that you're going to see during the draft process is that he is kind of vulnerable to getting beat inside. Uh, that's actually why my comp form is Iki Aquanu uh, mm. from last year's class, but he is a bit of an oversetter and he'll open up that inside. He's, he has the foot quickness to recover um, back to the inside. It's more of an issue with uh, hand placement and getting his hands too wide. So, you know, it's his first year playing left tackle um, ever. You know, he played, let's see, right guard, I think in uh, 2021. So first year playing left tackle, <clears throat> that's uh, completely understandable uh, issue to have. I think he's, you know, right along the ideal track in terms of his development. At number 12, you have the Texans picking once again, and you have them going with the second wide receiver off the board, Jordan Addison out of USC. Tell me about Jordan Addison. Yeah, Jordan Addison was the first player that I evaluated. Um, really kind of like a Will Levis versus Bryce Young kind of um question for me okay just in terms of upside versus skill that they already have um <clears throat> i think that you know jordan addison is kind of like the bryce young of receiver prospects in this draft honestly well yeah i'm looking here he's six foot 175 i'm, I'm imagining he's the burner variety is that and correct? and in re <clears throat> in retrospect i probably if i'm gonna go bryce young with my first pick 
I'm probably going to lean towards athletic upside for the second one. So I might not, you know, love that pairing of Bryce Young and Jordan Addison in reality, even though I think they're both really good players. At number 13, you have the second tackle coming off the board, going to the Jets, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Now, I, I failed to ask you this when we talked about Paris Johnson Jr. Do you Is this reflective of your tackle rankings? Do you have Johnson Jr. as your number one tackle in the draft? Yeah, Paris Johnson Jr. is my number one offensive tackle by a pretty wide margin. I think, you know, I have a top five grade on him. Okay. And I uh, don't have a top 15 grade on any any other players. Um, Broderick Jones, I'm a little bit lower on. He's like one of the, one of the biggest offensive linemen in college football, but he is kind of stiff when it comes to his recovery ability and pass protection and as a run blocker. Um, So I, I don't know. I, I need to go back to his film. I, I watched all of his film like early in the season. So I need to, go back and revisit it because uh, he's he's one of those players where I sort of hear everyone talking about him as a lot higher draft pick than I view him. Um, the issue is that a lot of teams need offensive tackles, and so I kind of just started – and it's the same thing with receiver. Started After about like out. pick yeah. 16, it's like, all right, I'm having to uh, dive into the second rounders for, for the back half of the first round. We're getting into the back half of the first round slowly but surely, and we're starting to talk about some names that I think most casual fans may not be all that familiar with just yet. So enlighten us a little bit. We've got a, a name here, cornerback, first cornerback off the board. I'm kind of surprised to see this as your cornerback one, but I want to hear your thoughts. You have at 14, the New England Patriots selecting uh, Devon Witherspoon or Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. What do you like about Witherspoon? Yeah, um, so I think the two best individual college cornerback seasons that I've ever watched are Derek Stingley's sophomore year in uh, 20, let's see, was that 2019 or 2020? Um, and then the the second best cornerback season I've ever watched is Devin Witherspoon's 2022 performance. Okay. Um, just going to read you some stats for Devin Witherspoon from this past season. He played. 425 coverage snaps. He was targeted 63 times and he allowed 22 receptions for wow. 206 yards. Wow. Um, he had the highest PFF coverage grade ever for a college cornerback at 92.5. He played 115 press coverage snaps and allowed one reception for one yard. Uh, and he also ranked second among uh college football corners with 14 pass breakups so really just like perfect tape honestly he had there was a play against indiana which was like a triple overtime game but a play against indiana where he kind of like lost track of a receiver this is week one lost track of a receiver down the sideline gave up like a 30 yard gain and like that's it i you know i have i have like my bad folder i uh, i just did a, a devin witherspoon video that dropped a couple hours ago um but i you know i organize all the clips for the videos that i want to talk about by like um kind of category and i got to the section of devin witherspoon getting beat and it's like all right well i don't have anything to talk about so i guess the video's <laughs> over um so yeah I, he just he accelerates his acceleration he might like run the or he might have set the record for broad jump at the combine um really the biggest issue weakness for Devin Witherspoon is he's listed at 180 which is not great um for a cornerback but I you know I think he I think he will test pretty well because the speed and acceleration is just pops off the screen at 15 you have the Packers going with a wide receiver which will be just hilarious if Aaron Rodgers finally moves on and then the Packers decide to draft a first round receiver you have him going with Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State he is uh, a guy that's been talked about quite a bit, despite apparently being your wide receiver three on this board. Comes in at just under 200 pounds, six foot. Tell me about Jackson Smith. Probably a slot only at the next level. Uh, he really has mastered just the art of route running and getting open. But 
he's undersized and he's probably going to run in the four sixes. So, mm. you know, kind of hard to, to see a GMs, weird mix of traits, there, you know, there. love like being in love with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. <clears throat> and you also consider that uh, it doesn't really have any tape from this past season. So I think that um, I've heard the Amon Ross St. Brown comp for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, you know, I think that's probably the best one that I've heard. Um, but yeah, he's he's a, a lower upside but high floor receiver pick. At 16, you have the Commanders going with the tackle Peter Skaronsky, who it's it's been uh, debated so far, and I'm sure it will continue to be whether or not he's going to be a tackle or a guard at the next level. Tell me about Skaronsky, and tell me about how you differentiate between those two positions. So Peter Skaronsky is probably going to have. There's never been an offensive tackle with as short of arms as Peter Skaronsky. Um, that's like started. I'm I'm sure there's probably been a couple that have been in the draft, but um, you know, like active players, there's no one that's shorter arms than Dylan Raidens. Dylan Raidens has 34 inch arms, actually. So, oh, does he actually? He just yeah, doesn't play like it. Gotcha. Pretty solid okay. length. No, he Dylan Raidens like one of the most fraudulent combine performances ever you look at his mock draft role you're like dude this is this is peak human performance this is like the peak athlete and dude, he is like not that not that um but yeah um peter skaronsky probably going to be around 32 inch arms which is just, it's an issue because you see him kind of hanging on by a thread against some you know, big like Nebraska edge rushers mm-hmm. that are kind of, you know, getting into his chest and uh, and beating him with length. And when you're projecting to the NFL, you just, you know, anything that are things that are minor problems in college, you're looking closely at and you're saying, okay, this is probably going to be a bigger issue in the NFL. And so what um, I'm hearing is Peter Skaronsky, you are the NFL's next $20 million offensive guard. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you draft him. Anyone that has shown, and he's technically the best, you know, in, in terms of his technique, he's the best offensive lineman uh, in this class that I've watched so far. Um, and, I, you know, I think when you have a player like Peter Skaronsky, anyone that's shown flashes, uh, anything of the ability to play offensive tackle, that's so much more valuable of a position than guard. So when you draft one of those players, let them fail at tackle and then move them into guard. Um, I don't like drafting like a, a tweener like this and then just kind of punting on, on whether or not he can play tackle. You have another tackle coming off the board right behind him at 17. You have the Steelers going with Anton Harrison tackle out of Oklahoma. What do you think about Anton? Yeah, the Steelers uh, seem to not value run blocking at all which makes Anton Harrison a, a good scheme fit. He's a, okay, a, okay. a really good pass protector, and um, I, I really do have issues with uh, his run blocking. So the, yes, the way that... Nine pressures on 447 pass blocking snaps last season, so he must really stink as a run block. Yeah, he's got the length, um, you know, foot quickness, really everything that you want. Uh, really impressed with his anchor ability. Uh, really everything you want in terms of a pass protector. When I was doing this mock draft, I have, I have, let's see, 21 first round grades. And when I was doing this mock draft, it's like getting towards the end of the draft. I'm having to sort of fill in players, but I want to make sure that I've watched these players before I actually talk about them and like put my name on them being good. And so Anton Harrison, I watched, and then I watched like three games of them. And then I watched a few more and kind of lowered my grade on him so I don't think I would take him at 17 um I don't think the new and improved James Foster would take him at 17 but um yeah I think the Steelers have to have to improve their offensive line I think that's a pretty non-controversial take at 18 the Lions get a second pick in the first round and you have them going with a cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon this is a guy that I'm not sure many people would have watched a ton of this year, considering where he played. Tell me about Christian. So Christian Gonzalez, like pretty much every corner back in this class, is going to be around like the 6'1", probably 190, 195 range. There's a ton of tall press corners. 
um, in this draft class, but he has really, really high end speed and he's one of the most balanced and, you know, just comfortable moving in short areas for a taller cornerback um, that I've watched really good, uh, really good job. Like he probably had seven or eight pass breakups on fade routes, really good job being physical at the top of the route. Um, and, you know, he, he, if you look at his stats, he gave up a lot of yards. There were a lot of uh, plays where he was in tight coverage and just, you know, kind of lost to contested catch situations. Um, but yeah, I think Christian Gonzalez, just because of athletic traits, he would probably be my bet to actually be the first cornerback off the board. Mm. And between him and Devin Witherspoon, uh, you know, they are my 14th and 15th overall players in the class. So it's, it's with a position like cornerback that's so dependent on scheme. Um, you know, I think you can go either way with that. The lines just like Amani Arwarie had one of the biggest fall offs that I've ever seen um, mm. for a cornerback. So yeah, they need, they need help in the secondary. At 19, you have the Bucks going with a uh, cornerback, and this is a team that definitely needs help in the secondary as well. You have them picking Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, 6'2", 198. Tell me about Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. is pretty much like the definition of a press coverage-only cornerback. Like, that's really what his um, his game is, is just – being disruptive at the line of scrimmage using his length. There was, there really weren't any other corners this season that were as effective and successful as uh, Joey Porter Jr. was against Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm. Um, had some really impressive reps. He had one of the best individual performances uh, week one against Purdue. He had five pass breakups. Which is kind of insane. So if you're wow. wanting, if you're wanting to just like watch one game of a guy and get a good sense for like how he plays the football, uh, just watch Joey Porter versus Purdue. Um, but yeah, he is kind of just with taller cornerbacks. He's not in that Tariq Woolen, Sauce Gardner tier of athlete where they're six foot two, six foot three, but they can also move like a five eleven player. He moves like a six foot two player. So uh, he is going to kind of need to be protected by scheme. Yeah, 143 yards allowed in 10 games this past season sounds like a guy that could be fantastic in the right situation. At 20, we're into the 20s, and we've got the Seahawks taking Nolan Smith, edge defender out of Georgia. What do you like about Smith? So Georgia is becoming one of my least favorite teams uh, to, to watch. watch, especially the defense in terms of the draft because they just do not unleash their front four defenders at all. Yep. And it turns into a situation where you're not as much evaluating film, but you're skipping through hundreds and hundreds of plays to try to find like the three reps per game where Georgia let Nolan Smith actually like pin his ears back and rush the passer. Why do they do that? Well, at the college level that like their, their front defenders have, um, have run defense responsibility first and foremost. Mm. And, um, you know, that's just like philosophically, they right. have the players in the secondary to be able to hold up without like an immediate pass rush. And so they just sort of play more conservative up front. And it's a great example of how, you know, things that work in college, like that's, that's a, a good, you know, Kirby smart is a great defensive coach, but, just because something works in college, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be great for translating to the NFL. Yeah. Um, so, so with Smith, you, uh, yeah. So Smith is like, he's, track there. <laughs> yeah, he's uh sorry. He's like six foot three, uh, two forty maybe. Yeah. So kind of undersized, here. but former number one overall recruit in the 2019 class. Um, one of, you know, He's he fits the the bendy speed rusher mold of athlete, but he also he has a really diverse and polished pass rushing move set, and he's a really really good run defender for his size. I think he had like a ninety point five run defense grade uh, last year, above eighty, um, you know seventy five in that range um, for his career, and 
he he really does kind of as a shorter player he does use that that uh that size actually to his advantage to create leverage when it comes to anchoring against blocks at 21 you have the first tight end coming off the board for the jaguars it's michael meyer out of notre dame tell me about michael and uh why do you have you know tight ends not a position you always see go in the first round what is it that he brings to the table that makes him a first round pick yeah so when i have a team like uh the jaguars where you've got a star quarterback on a rookie contract what i'm trying to do is stack weapons um and just like really go all out on offense and mm. they've they've got a lot of guys at receiver um with calvin ridley coming in evan ingram you know he had a breakout season regardless of what they do i think he his contract is up regardless of what they do with him he played 87 percent of his snaps in the slot last year so these players don't really play the same position and i don't think there's a conflict there um michael mayer is like probably the best just overall well-rounded skill set for a tight end since um you know he's a better blocker than tj hawkinson was uh better blocker than kyle pitts was obviously not the uh not the athlete that Kyle Pitts is. That's that's his biggest weakness is that he's just an average athlete. But his ability to separate, um, make contested catches, I think that getting a a security blanket type of tight end for Trevor Lawrence uh, over the middle of the field is going to be huge for them. At twenty two, you have the New York Giants picking up uh, some you know a guy that's probably going to play in the slot, but be a weapon nonetheless for Daniel Jones next year. It's Josh Downs out of North Carolina, 5'10", 175. So I'd imagine he's got some speed to him. What do you like about Downs? Yeah, I really like his ability to create after the catch. Um, as an undersized player, I thought he had great body control in contested catch situations, really um, nice ability to track the football. So the receivers, all the receivers, I think there are a few more receivers that come off the board. They're all reaches. Like, I don't have a first-round grade on Josh Downs, but this Giants receiving core is abysmal. And it's rough, man. They just, you know, it's kind of like they, they just got to they gotta grab the guys before they go off the board. Fair enough. At 23, you have the Ravens going with a cornerback, Cam Smith, a Gamecock out of University of South Carolina. What do you like about Smith? So Cam Smith is, um, you know, I was listening to the uh, PFF Stock Exchange podcast. They were talking about Cam Smith, uh, comparing him to J.C. Horn, where hmm. he like he has the mentality. He has the mentality of uh, J.C. Horn coming out of South Carolina. Like he had, he's the guy that made the uh, the drop your nuts comment, like in yeah. the game or whatever. Uh huh. So he's kind of like you know has that dog in him but i think that his speed is pretty questionable if you go back and watch the tennessee game like look at how far they were playing him off the line of scrimmage against jalen hyatt um you can just tell like i i, I feel like he, he's another player that's kind of gone down in my uh in my mind since i made this video um watching a few more games of film on him I, I don't know that I see him as a first rounder, but he is really good in press. Um, and, uh, you know, and another thing with Cam Smith is I think that his size is mis mislisted. I don't, I, I've seen some places have him as six, one, six foot. I don't, I think he's like five eleven. Um, so yeah, I, I think Cam Smith would actually be more of a second rounder uh, in retrospect. At 24, you've got the chargers going with the tackle from the University of Tennessee, Darnell Wright coming off the board. What do you like about Wright? So Darnell Wright has some of the quickest and most balanced feet in pass protection that I've watched. He just kind of, the way that he slides around the pocket is so effortless. Um, when we compare him to someone like Broderick Jones, where it's like every movement is kind of stiff and it's like he's just, you know, holding on for dear life. There are times where Darnell Wright's mirroring a speed rush from B.J. Ojolari, for example, and, like, he's literally spinning around the pocket, like, 
dancing after the play. It, I, I can't even explain it. It's just he has such effortless athleticism and movement skills to where it's like he's just kind of fucking around sometimes. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's running scheme was not – it's kind of hard to get a gauge on how, he's, how he is as a run blocker because a lot of times it's just like counter RPO, you know, down block, and you're just kind of like – a stalemate on on the three technique or whatever um so i'm not sure about his run blocking but darnell wright versus broderick jones that'll be a that'll be a great internal debate within my head about who i'm gonna have ahead of of one another at 25 you got the cowboys going with jalen jones cornerback out of texas a&m tell me about jalen yeah so this is a guy that i actually just i included as a first rounder even though i don't really have a first round grade on him, but I just kind of wanted to shout him out. Um, so for the Cowboys, cornerback uh, two is the clear weakness of the defense. And Jalen Jones is another six foot two, 205 pound cornerback. Uh, he led all college football corners in snaps per reception given up, um, which makes him not a very fun player to watch film on. Like the sure, idea sure. of cornerback film is Roger McCreary, where every stat line is like 12 targets, six receptions, 80 yards, three pass breakups and an interception. Like that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to see battles. Right. Um, Jalen Jones. It's like, you know, 40 cut. Cause I, I go, th- I go to their PFF profiles and I'm looking for, I want to watch start with the games where they have the most action. Right. Um, and, or, you know, against the best competition. So I'm looking at Jalen Jones and it's like every game is, you know, 35 coverage snaps, one target, zero receptions. Um, but yeah, he's another one of these guys at at six foot two, uh, that can just move, uh, unlike a lot of players at that size and, um, really good impress had just an extremely clean game against Bama, uh, didn't, wasn't targeted, didn't allow a reception, but you watch every single coverage snap in that game. I don't know that he got – I don't know that he let a single Alabama receiver get open. At number 26, you have the Bengals getting some offensive line help, which they clearly have needed for two years now. Um, they've got injury problems, which is giving us a little deja vu to last year's playoff run when they had nobody on the offensive line to help out. This year they've got a bunch of injuries, and I'd imagine they'd like to replace some of these older guys with some young talent. You have them picking DeWand Jones – out of Ohio State, and holy cow, this guy is a behemoth. Six foot eight, 350 pounds. Tell me about Dewan. Dewan Jones is one of my favorite players in this class. Um, maybe the guy I'm I'm waiting to get my board full, you know filled out because I really want to be able to compare myself to the consensus board and see like where I'm lower and higher on guys. I think Dewan Jones is gonna be someone that. Uh, I'm probably highest on relative to consensus. I'm excited to see what uh, what his his arm length uh, measures in at, which is I know like the nerdiest comment anyone's ever made. But um, yeah, I think outside of Tyree Wilson, like he's gonna have freaky arm length. Uh, if you just like ser- name search me on Twitter and uh, Dewan Jones, if you're listening to this, and I I tweeted out a cut up of him using what's called the snatch trap technique, which is where when a pass rusher, um, bit, you know, moves their weight weight forward as they're trying to get into a bull rush and they kind of get unbalanced, you just sort of grab them by the chest or the collarbone anywhere on the jersey can be the arms and then slam them onto the ground. Um, and he just has really heavy hands. Um, but, you know, I think he's, he's a, a really – I think the rest of his game is really solid as well. So, yeah, with um, who's the who's the right tackle that just got injured? Uh, Lyle Collins for the Collins. Bengals. Yep. I I'm assuming he's probably done. So yeah, they need a a right tackle, and they probably actually need a left tackle as well. At 27, we're almost done here. We've got the Vikings taking Brian Branch, first safety off the board out of Alabama. What do you like about Branch? So Brian Branch played slot corner for Bama, but he kind of projects as uh you know probably a safety overhang defender type of player he's really just a a great defensive back that uh that you want on your team 
And I love the fit for Minnesota. If you've watched Minnesota's defense, it's just the most disgusting soft zone coverage ever. Um, and what the reason that like a team like the 2021 Rams was able to play essentially the same defense and have uh, the best defense in the NFL and the Vikings have one of the worst defenses in the NFL is because the Vikings just, there is so much space and underneath zones. When you, you know, if you check it down or throw a quick slant, instead of being like a five yard gain, which the defense would be fine with, it's like a 14 yard gain because people just aren't fast closing to the football. Um, Brian Branch is probably the best tackling defensive back that I've ever watched when I was, when I was going through his film, I just kept saying to myself, um, I was like the hardest, the hardest hidden safety in the league. Though. Like, <laughs> uh, I just kept saying that cause dude, he just flies into the backfield and, uh, just lays some of the craziest hits, really good, really good ball skills, um, in terms of getting his head turned around when he's, when he's like out of phase down the field, he's, comfortable recovering and playing the football so i think having someone like that um for, for the viking secondary would be huge at 28 you've got the broncos adding to their already pretty fantastic defensive side of the ball mike morris out of michigan the edge defender what is it about morris that you think makes him a first round pick michigan's kind of uh become an edge rusher factory over the last few years um Mike Morris has some pretty dominant tape, especially towards the back half of the season. He's still raw as a pass rusher, um, really kind of just like overpowering Big Ten offensive tackles at this point, not really winning with moves or technique as much. I think for the Broncos, um, I was considering a guy like Felix Anaduke Uzama out of Kansas State here, um, but he's – He's more of like an undersized pass rusher, similar to what they have in Baron Browning and the guy from Oklahoma who I'm drawing a blank on. So I wanted to get a, a more like bigger bodied kind of base end uh, to play in that defense. At 29, here's another receiver. The last receiver you have in this first round mock that you already, you already alluded to the fact that it's probably a bit of a reach, not quite a first round <laughs> draft grade, but you've got the bills going with Rasheed Rice, wide receiver out of SMU, 6'3", 206 senior uh what do you like about Rashi? uh my favorite thing about Rashi rice is that he responded to me on twitter um so that <laughs> so gets to be in the first round mock baby that's how yeah, it works so that he was right on my mind um but he is he's a contested catch demon um what'd you really... ask him about on twitter what'd you what'd you slide in the dms for well, no, I uh, I tweeted, I was like, hello, Rasheed Rice. And it was like a, a play that he, I tweeted uh, out I got a you. play. And then he was like, hello, with like oh. a heart <laughs> emoji or something. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you know, 96 receptions, 1,344 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, really, at, at his size, his ability to shake defenders downfield is pretty impressive. And I think he's someone that kind of, as I get more into the tape I, I was viewing him as a second to third round guy and then I kind of had to force him into this mock draft so it's I thought it was a reach but then the more I watch of him I'm actually I think back into the first round um that could be a pretty solid pick and I I'd I'd much rather take my chances on a guy like Rasheed Rice where you know if he doesn't work out he might be like a solid wide receiver two wide receiver three um, okay. you know, I, I think I would rather take that than like Bijan Robinson or running back. Like a lot of people have mocked to the bills. Fair enough. At 30, you have the chiefs going with BJ Ojolari, the junior edge defender out of LSU, six, three, 250. Uh, it's Aziz Ojolari's younger brother. If anybody is familiar with Aziz, tell me about BJ. So BJ Ojolari probably has the best bend around the edge for any uh, pass rusher in this class he has there's a lot so many plays where it looks like he's about to get flush out of the pocket like the tackles in good position and then he just has the second wind at the at the very top of his rush to bend back to the quarterback at an angle it's it's something that you just have to like watch really to see because he um yeah there just aren't many uh edge rushers that are as explosive and that can move uh the way he does seems to have 
pretty good arm length as well. And the Chiefs have just, I mean, for what seems like forever now, they haven't had really consistent production at edge rusher. Right. Finally, with the, the last pick in this first round draft, and yes, it's only 31 picks in the first round, boys and girls, because the Dolphins had to forfeit their pick for tampering with Thomas Edward Patrick Brady last offseason. We've got the Eagles at 31 picking a guy that this is early in the process for me, James. I know that you've been head in head over heels in the pool of, of draft uh, discourse for a while now, but in my very early studies, this is a guy that has become one of my favorites to talk about. I think he's fascinating and I would be very upset if the, if the, uh, the Eagles got away with getting him with one of their two first round picks, it's Keely Ringo cornerback out of Georgia. Tell me about Keely, what you like. And then I'm curious to hear, because this is one of my guys, Tell me what it is about Keeley that maybe has you concerned or maybe, you know, is the reason you have him further down your cornerback list. Yeah, Keeley Ringo is, you know, consensus number, let's see, number nine overall player in the class. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have him top 10 on their big boards. I don't really see him as a first round player. Um, he at six foot two, you know, he's got the long speed. That's really the the main combination that draws your initial interest. And then on paper, like on paper, he's a good press corner. He's a good press corner in the first one and a half seconds of the play. He can be dominant, really disruptive at the line of scrimmage, but incredible stiffness in his hips. He mm. gets juked out a ton. Uh, if he misses with his hands, he panics and, um, you know, flips his hips too early or gets his feet off balance, um, shifty receivers in open space. They're getting by him a lot of times. And there's just, it's kind of like a, there's a limited role where I see Keely Ringo being successful in the NFL, because I don't think he's a player that you just draft as like, we need our cornerback one and you're just going to like play press man mm. um, every snap. Like I think he's going to get beat a lot. Um, and, you know, he did get beat a lot in the college level. Uh, the, I, I went into the um, playoff game saying like Keely Ringo was a player that had some of the most to prove out of any player in terms of trying to uh, get into the first round. And I thought that it was one of his worst performances um, on tape, you know, and i I've gone through, just finished up Keely Ringo's film, actually watched all of his uh, 2022 games uh, these past couple of days. And yeah, he's, he's a pretty comfortable cornerback five, cornerback six in this class. Right. The main, the, my, my biggest, you know, my favorite landing spot for him would be a team like Philadelphia, again, where he doesn't have to be immediately product productive. Mm. And I think, he could also be a potential safety convert. I, I would be interested to see uh, if he didn't work out at cornerback because like the, the traits are there. I mean, he absolutely has top 10 traits. I just don't think he's um, that good of a player at this point. Well, James, we've been here for an hour and it's been absolutely fantastic. This is what I'm talking about for some draft content. We appreciate you and your time. Of course, tell the people, that are still sticking around where they can find some more fantastic bits of your work on the internet. Yeah. A to Z, a to Z sports film room on YouTube, uh, just posted a Devin Witherspoon cornerback one film breakdown, some insanely good tape. Uh, if you want to go check that out and also follow me on Twitter at no flags film, uh, where I tweet out a bunch of cutups. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. We uh, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. All right, man. See you. All right. Before you go, first of all, appreciate you all tuning in on whatever day it happens to be. Uh, not one of our regularly scheduled programmings. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, real quick, make sure that you are subscribed to the show so you can get our regular Monday and Friday Titans-centric podcasts. We'll be talking about all things Titans throughout this, I'm sure, tumultuous offseason. Until next time, for James Foster, who is our guest today, and producer JT, I am Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.